Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. Each week, Andy shares interviews with talent development professionals, thought leaders, and experts to share best practices, learn about the latest trends, and find out what has been successful in the world of talent development. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I've got another great episode for you today to help you take your career and life in talent development to the next level. That is what this show is all about. That's our mission. Always looking for ways to provide advice and inspiration and education on different topics in the talent development world, the learning and development world. And today we're talking about learning culture and reinventing learning culture, as well as the idea of cohort-based learning and some of the systems that go along with that. My guest today is Andrew Berry. He is the founder of Curious Lion, a training design firm reimagining the way companies like PagerDuty, Pinterest, and KPMG cultivate learning cultures. He is the creator of Course of Action, a self-paced program and community for aspiring course creators and working towards making Andrew's vision that everyone has an online course in them a reality. I have an online course, and I know a lot of people, whether they do it as entrepreneurs or in companies, are thinking about creating online courses. And of course, a lot of big companies have been working on online learning, e-learning, virtual learning over the last few years. We're definitely going to talk about that. And his corporate experience, Andrew, was head of learning at Lobster Inc., a video-based training provider in hospitality, later acquired by Echolab. And he was also in charge of content for KPMG's executive education business, before entering the world of startups and entrepreneurship. I know Andrew is originally from South Africa, but now resides here in the U.S. in lovely New Jersey. Andrew, welcome to the show. Andy, it is so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is an exciting day. We just did an interview for your podcast, and uh, now we're turning the tables and doing an interview for the Talent Development Hot Seat. And in true entrepreneurship fashion, we're kind of like making things up as we go, and we just did a pivot <laughs> recording this one live on LinkedIn. So we'll see if anybody joins us. And if you are watching live, go ahead and put in the chat where you're joining from and let us know if you have any questions 
Andrew, I'll start with a question for you, which is, you know, you had a corporate career in, in mm-hmm. the learning space, right? How did you get into doing what you're doing now? Like why go run your own business and follow mm-hmm. this like path of learning culture and online courses and that sort of thing? Yeah, so it is a series of pivots, which I know you talk a lot about, that happened part luck, part sort of setting the, the ball in motion for it, but just really being open and ready for opportunities. So if I had to summarize it, I started my career at KPMG as in in public accounting. That was like, that was how I started there. But I immediately got a taste for public accounting firms all do a lot of training, right? A huge investment in it. And every event that I would go to would be week-long training events. I just wanted to be the people up in front of the room facilitating those sessions. And so that's where I got my start. I started doing that. I actually was, I taught high school maths. And so it kind of was always in me, but I just got a thrill from getting up in front of people and helping them see the light bulb go off in their heads, you know? And so I followed that path with KPMG, an incredible firm to do that at, because I got to deliver training in South Africa. I got an, an opportunity to come here to the States to create the content for, for that. Um, and just followed that journey all the way through to the executive education stuff you mentioned. But I always had this want of ownership of, of, you know, you talk about this a lot, kind of wanting to kind of take agency for my career and and run my own thing. And so that was always kind of always the back of my mind. About five years ago, I took the plunge into it. And for anybody listening, it never works out quite like you expect it to. I thought we would be doing high quality video production for banks, essentially. That was kind of the, that was the big idea. And I've never created a video for a bank. We created quite a lot of videos, but for other companies. And then we started getting into tech companies and it just, you know, one of the things I learned is the market kind of tells you what they need. And we were, I was, it was just me at the beginning, able to adapt and pivot to those, those changing needs. And eventually carved a way out where we are now where our business focuses on helping companies create systems for learning to get the most out of their investments in tech and content and all that. We also create content to help seed those systems. And then, like you said, I work with entrepreneurs as well to help them turn their knowledge into into courses. Yeah. And I know you work with a lot of different companies on this idea that you mentioned, like kind of reinventing the way they're approaching, especially online learning. What are you observing in terms of how learning culture, how companies are approaching this idea of creating a learning culture, especially, I'm sure things have changed a lot in the last two years since COVID. I've spoken with many, many, many talent development professionals on the show and in private conversations. What are you seeing right now that some of the best companies are doing to create a true learning culture? Yeah. Well, first, I think it first of all starts with a, an understanding and a shift away from seeing training as a series of events, mm. right? Which has kind of been the norm always. Like that's very traditional way of, of looking at training. So, I mean, that was what I used to create as well. So, and everybody knows this, you create, you do a bunch of needs analysis, you create a training event and it could be, could be some e-learning. It's often, you know, some, some in-person stuff, classroom setting. And then you think the job's kind of done. Maybe you, you do some, you know, assessment at the end and, okay, cool. We saw, you know, we're basically just measuring completion and that was it, right? That was training. And so a whole series of those, and that's a year of training for people. And I think we all can agree now that that doesn't really work. No one really learns like that. No one learns from instruction. They learn from on the job. They learn from talking to people. They learn from mentors and coaches and, and they learn from, I know you talk about this a lot, reflection, kind of taking the time 
and giving themselves space to reflect on what they're learning. So, so it starts with kind of seeing learning and working as the same thing. If you add reflection to the to the work you're doing, you 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 learning. That's deliberate practice, basically, which is which is one of the biggest accelerators for for mastery. And so, so that's the shift. And so then it becomes, well, how do we create the system for learning? How do we create the space and the place for people to get together to talk about their challenges through with a common lens? And I'll, I can explain what that means as well, so that they can start to help each other, guide each other, commit to take some kind of action, which is crucial, and then repeat that process over and over again. Yeah, it, it's really interesting how you're seeing, you know, obviously, there's a lot of companies taking very different approaches. And I know you specialize in these online courses and, and virtual learning programs. And before COVID, certainly, like for many years, there's been online courses and, and online learning, right? But a lot of companies were forced into creating these these online courses, right? And, and taking learning programs that were historically in-person and, and making them virtual again, yeah. And many of them are using this idea of cohort-based learning, which I know you're an ex-well. But maybe let's start with the the online learning, the virtual learning, as companies are adapting these programs and creating these new programs and, and trying to create this culture of learning that we're talking about. What are some of the big mistakes that we see companies making? Some of the we'll start with the worst practices before we go to the best. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good starting point because the the easy way out is to take what worked in a classroom and just transfer it into an online setting and it, the old MOOCs and all that are great examples of this so it's just we're just going to put a camera on the you know expert and we're going to let them talk and then there can be you know some interaction but it's generally very superfluous or superficial um but that that's essentially it so it's just all right we're just going to put this expert who stood up in front of the room we're going to put a camera on them um and it's the easy way out, but of course it, it doesn't work. Um, the other way, if you don't, if you if you want to even lower the budget, is to just put all that stuff into basically a book, an ebook, and just have people click slides. It's a, it's a it's a slide deck that they get to control, and then people go, well, that's adaptive learning because you know you get to control the pace of it or whatever. But yeah, none of that stuff works, right? How how we actually learn in the workplace and. Everyone who's worked in a, in a in a corporate setting will agree is we learn from taking action, doing something, and then seeing what went what what went well, what didn't go well, and kind of reflecting on that. Talking to others about it, you know, talk, reaching out to people, saying, "Hey, like you, you know, someone who's more experienced than you in something, boss, or supervisor, manager, getting advice on things." But there's there's a very much there's a bias for action. There's a community aspect to it. And then there's a there's a personal reflection piece. So mm-hmm. I talk about it as the three P's often. So it's prompts to action, peer-to-peer learning, and the personal reflection. Right? That those to me are like the three key components for learning. So we can start to talk about. I can give you some specific examples of how we started to apply that. But here's our this is you know the origin story of, of a lot of this, Andy, is that. I was talking to one of my clients probably around 2019, so it was before the pandemic hit. And I was telling her and just basically raving to her about these online courses that I was attending myself. I'm, I'm a total learning nerd. I spend an excessive amount of money every year on online <laughs> courses. And um, you know, there's some incredible ones out there and I've learned yeah. so much from, from doing them. Yeah. And then I started in this sort of uh, you know, B2C side, I started dissecting what they were doing from an adult learning 
perspective and sort of geeking out on that side of it, sharing thoughts on that. And that attracted, you know, other entrepreneurs who wanted to learn how to do that. And then I started talking to, I never thought it would be interesting to, to the corporate world, you know, um, but I started talking to, to, to Felicia Jones, she works at PagerDuty and, you know, just like sharing this with her. And I was like, you know, this is what, it, how it's helped me and all that sort of thing. And she saw the potential for it right away at PagerDuty. And this again, it was pre-COVID and we started working on the idea. Back then I used to call it the learning flywheel because it really does work like a flywheel. Once you get people together and, and kind of taking these actions that I've talked about around, you know, learning from each other, taking action and reflecting, it takes a while to get it going, but that flywheel starts to generate its own momentum, you know? And so to develop the idea from the flywheel into what this cohort learning experience looks like. And then the broader idea of the learning culture or learning system around it. But it all started with us. I think it was probably then at the beginning of the pandemic because it had to, it was virtual. And I don't think they were, they were going fully virtual at that point. Hmm. Um, so they had to. And so they, she said, well, let's pilot this with our, I have this executive development program I need to create. We're going to bring together a pilot group of six EVPs, right? So this was like the head of finance, the head of legal, the head of HR, um, the head of product, like, like, functional heads and we needed to teach them three skills she told me so they had picked i think it was like it was feedback it was performance management you know performance conversations i forget what the last one was and so we said well let's let's build this model around those three things for this group of six people and so what it practically looked like was six weeks we picked so we had two weeks per topic so say like the performance management topic we We've had two weeks. Um, each week was the first week was always talking through. So actually, before the first week, they had async. So we created content for them. I know you're a big fan of Carol Dweck. So yeah. growth mindset stuff was a great example. We curated content. We 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 also developed some original stuff as well. But we were able to curate so much great stuff out there. I mean, go and look at Carol Dweck's TED talk. You're going to get a deep mm. deep understanding of her stuff, right? And it's stuff that like we do as sort of lifelong learners normally. So we're like, well, how do we see that for this group of people? So we curated a bunch of stuff for the performance management thing. Growth mindset was one of them. And so those models and mental models and frameworks gave people a common language. We weren't trying to get them to like memorize what the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset is, right? We just, we would teach, we were sharing that and then to, to create common language. Then they would come into a, a 60, I think it was a 90 minute session was the first one. And they would just talk about their actual challenges. So what we saw were people would be like, you know, I've got this, this guy on my team and, and he's, you know, really high performer, but he just seems to lack motivation, but, you know, get into a lot of detail and they would, so now, now because of this, this, this uh, shared understanding of growth mindset, fixed mindset in this example, that someone else could be like, oh, I'm I that exact same thing. And here's what I did. And here, this is how it worked. And this is what worked. This didn't. And so the facilitation became so background, which is kind of what you want, right? Um, all, the, all the learning, started, all the magic happened amongst that group of people. They'd leave that week one session committed to take some kind of new action. So that person was going to go and have a performance conversation with that, that individual. And then in the second week, it was a 60-minute session to debrief the actions, right? So first session is like discuss the mental models and the current challenges, commit to take action, and then come and debrief those actions. That session would always go longer than an hour, and the facilitators would hardly ever have to speak. It was just the, the, the people in there would just take just take over and they had so much to share and so much they were just learning right they were learning out loud they were just learning with each other um and so we 
we created a Slack channel for that group. And so they had a, a place to kind of keep, you know, the conversation going between these sessions. And we, and we, we ran them for six weeks, three topics. And you could not, I mean, these were very busy, very people that would not have had time for traditional training. You, they could not wait for the next one to start, you know? And so, and so PJ just, just kind of kept rolling these out and that was, that was our, our start. And we've just kind of developed the model since then. Uh, that's a big marker of success to go from, yeah. I do not want to do that. Like, why do I have to do this boring training? Like most people approach it like, oh, I have to do this versus like, I can't wait for that next session. And I think it sounds like sort of a requirement here is that it needs to be live, right? Facilitator led. This We're not talking about pre-recorded, self-paced. So there's a whole nother thing we could go into about what makes those good. Yeah, absolutely. And th there's... It is the traditional flip classroom in a way, because there's like some pre-recorded stuff just, just to okay. basically give people that language, that common language, right? Introduce some frameworks, some models. It, it could, the, the custom stuff we were doing would be, you know, like how the company's values apply to, to these different topics. What What is Tejity or Pinterest's take on a certain topic? But but yeah, that becomes... It, I just I would I just don't recommend clients ever invest a ton in that because all that needs to do is just get the job done, right? Just get people right. thinking about these ideas. All the magic happens in those live sessions. It really ha it happens in conversations, right? I see that with yeah. my own facilitation and learning. I've created the training program for my book and you know, I have an online course. People can go through it self-paced. It's a little bit more engaging than maybe reading the book. You get to watch videos mm -hmm. of me, you know, it sounds great. There's a, there's a workbook. Yeah. But the magic happens, as, as I've seen it for 10 years of facilitating workshops, when you get people together, you create those breakout rooms, people have conversations, they get to really talk about their careers or whatever the learning is, right, mindset, and get feedback and, and hear what others are dealing with and, and have those like aha light bulb moments. Exactly, exactly. And, and you don't know where it goes, right? It just, it takes on a life of its own after that. And then people don't see it as training anymore. Right. And then the connections that are made too, you know, you and I, when we, when we were on your podcast talking about the importance of networking, you know, there's so much magic that happens. You, you end up in that breakout room with somebody who ends up being your manager or business partner or something five years exactly. later. Exactly. Exactly. Mentor. There's actually, if we get, I want to unpack that a bit, because there are actually a ton of side effects, side benefits to this. That's a great one. And, and it's a, it creates this cohesion within the company. There's cross-functional sharing. Right, like right off the bat, because we recommend that that's how you set these up. You, it's an incredible platform for people to air their challenges. So you're picking up, you know, you the voice of of the people basically, um, which is invaluable to to any company. It's a, a great driver for DEI because instead of you know going back to that to your point, like it, you're not creating training that's like teaching people, you know, unconscious bias. You're not you're not telling them this. You're showing it by bringing people together with diverse opinions. People feel this, this willingness or this desire to want to include others. They learn from others. With these, so you're experiencing diversity and inclusion as opposed to hearing about it or watching it. You know? So it, it promotes innovation because people come up with ideas in these breakouts. You know, like just If you get the conditions right, it's incredibly generative. People's capacity to create increases. Yeah, oh, I believe it. There's just so much magic that happens. You mentioned earlier in there about cohort-based learning, and I mentioned that when we kicked things off too. Mm. How do you define cohort-based learning? What is it and, and what are the benefits? Yeah, so 
I forget now if you if we talked about this now or earlier when you and I were recording it separately, but it, it's collaborative learning is kind of at the key to it, right? So in the cohort piece, it it is also a group that sort of tends to stick together around a topic or around a, a, a certain journey of learning. So that's how I kind of think of it. The, the collaborative piece is thinking very intentionally about, I love that you brought up breakouts because that live session, like how you use it is so key. Not, no one, it, it's, it's, there's nothing worse than going into a live session. You got everyone's camera off, everyone's on mute. Then it's just one person talking, it's a slide deck and, you know, and that's, you know, cause it's easier. That's what most people have. But if you're really thoughtful and intentional about that, you can you can introduce you know the breakouts, the interaction, all of that in a non-cringy, non-uncomfortable way for people. And that's where the collaborative stuff comes in. That's when you put people in in, in thoughtful pairings or groups right. and yeah, all that sort of stuff. So that that's one piece of it. And then the cohort thing is that repeat that over a period of time, right? You. If you like you, I mean, I know you definitely would have this and, and a lot of people listening that you've got like your your group, your tribe, your people that you that you hang out with and, and learning something together is an incredibly powerful way to bond. So we saw that at that at that page duty one and all the ones since then is that those people kind of stuck together because they understood each other's challenges. They had helped each other out in certain things. And and so that willingness or that tendency to want to stay together and kind of keep learning from each other is naturally there. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, mean, I always learn better when I'm with other people and can talk with them about it and, and see that on my own programs and, and others that I'm seeing out there. So we talked about like this idea of cohort-based learning and the connections that people make in there and the, the best practices for virtual learning. When you're looking at maybe some existing content or learning that's out there, how do you assess content to make sure it's engaging? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I always, because I'm thinking back now to to my team, like we we meet every week and often, and these are the kind of questions, like my team of learning architects, so that will mm. be a question that they've posed to me and I'm trying to remember kind of how I approach this. To me, I think where it all starts is figuring out in any piece of content or topic or sort of category of, of, of ideas, what are the three big messages in limiting yourself to that? So first of all, I, so I'm a big believer in constraints being a, um, an enabler or promoter of, of creativity. Mm -hmm. Like if you're forced to kind of work within constraints, you can you often can be a lot more creative. And, and so I, I say to them all, like what are the three key things? What are the three messages? The other benefit of having those three key things up there, up front all the time, is, and I tell them, like, put it on a sticky note and stick it on your computer as you're working on that, that piece of content. You've always got your North Stars of where you need to. So everything you put on, on the page, if it's a video script or anything you design into a facilitation guide, you ask yourself, does it meet one of those three things? Right. So like, so that's, that to me is super key. You've got, you've got those sort of three key messages. Because that's also, I mean, it goes into a lot of the how do we, how we learn stuff. People working memory can only hold three to five things at any given time. So you're you know, really trying to limit the, the number of key messages. You know what? If, and if your subject matter experts out there tell you you've got 10 things that you need to stuff in there, okay, cool. Well, here's three, the main ones, and then here's where to go and find everything else. Right? There's always, you can always get, point people in the right direction, but don't try and cram it all in. Yeah. And then, I, and then I guess once you've got that, so there's a, like a there's a less is more sort of approach, you ruthlessly cutting stuff. Once you've got that, you've got the kind of the building blocks to work with, and then I just look at well, 
what is the, this is going to sound very like passe, but what is the learning experience? What's the learner experience? And I, mm -hmm. I get very like, we'll spend an entire hour talking through one activity in, in a facilitation guide we're creating for, for people. Cause I'm asking questions like, what is the learner? So what is the learner done before that session starts? So what frame of mind are they coming in with? What questions do they have when they start this? And you know, often those questions we give them as prompts in, in, in workbooks. So then I, so then you understand kind of where they're coming into this. What do we want them to feel and think right away? So, so what's that like initial, you know, do we want them to drop in the chat where they come from? And like, like you did earlier, right? So like, so, so you're thinking like in micro moments, what that learner experience is like. How do we set them up for the breakouts? Are they going to be confused with the question or the prompt? Or they're going to know what to do? Like, so we we spend a lot of time thinking about that because I think that's where all the leverage is, right? If you can create that experience where people join a session, what like another thing? I always start. I always play music at the beginning of it. it. Creates a bit of a vibe and a scene. And I also try and recognize some folks that like names that I recognize and I'll call them out and just you know create like a welcoming atmosphere. So little things like that leave people feeling like they've been in an experience right like they've been to a concert like they've been to like a show like you know something that they enjoyed and they after they don't feel like it was learning you know for over three years now the talent development hot seat podcast has been proudly sponsored by advantage performance group advantage performance group provides creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals teams and organizations to be the best at what they do Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish, and you to be more successful at your job. The Advantage website has great free resources, including this podcast and an amazing webinar series that include topics such as innovation, future storming, inclusion, sales, leadership, and so much more. To get access to all of our free resources, as well as overviews of the solutions that Advantage offers, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's advantageperformance.com. Right. Yeah. You're, you're making things interactive. You're engaging with people, trying to turn that energy up. And you're coming into the whole thing with a plan, right? Take things back to at the beginning of this conversation, you were talking about the learning flywheel and the three Ps, mm. bringing that back into it, right? And how are we engaging people? And with the prompts, can we go back to that? So that the prompts, yeah. what is it again? So, so like, yeah, so at all, it's another, that's a great point. Cause at, at every time I'm thinking, how are we getting them to reflect a personal reflection? Mm -hmm. How are we prompting action? So, you know, recommended next steps or what are you going to do next? The, the type of things. And then the peer to peer learning, how are we getting them to discuss I don't even like to use the word discuss to me. Dialogue is much better because discuss is like, to me, this, yeah back and forth lobbying of ideas. Dialogue is really like understanding what the other person's saying and, and you know, there's nuance to it. And so, yeah, so are we hitting those things? Are people reflecting the personal reflection? Are they, is there a prompt to action and are they peer-to-peer -peer learning? Mm, yeah, okay. And then you talked about the flywheel, which is like learning, action, and reflection. And um, yeah. people forget about this stuff, right? Like learning, if there's no reinforcement or reflection on it, a lot of times, we just do it and then we move on to the next thing and we forget. That's the thing, right? I, we're all guilty. I'm definitely guilty of that. One of the, this is a perfect example. I know you're a big book guy. I, I am too. I've got a bunch here. There's a bunch behind me. It was only recently that I started actively taking notes on books and then mm -hmm. using that in creating new things. Right? I would, I was, I'd read, I, it, we, we talk about this in my show. Like, first of all, you go from, 
not having a good reading habit and you read like two books a year to getting a good reading habit like you said you 20 minutes every morning and now you're reading 25 books a year okay cool that's great that's like step one then you you started to become more intentional about taking notes like capturing ideas from things so that i could remix them and repurpose them later and then actually turning them into something and creating their you know new stuff and so that's one example of it it's doing something with all the consumption that you're already you're already doing yeah absolutely it makes sense and i'm, I'm glad you're putting that stuff out there because i think these are things that a lot of people kind of know in the learning space but it's like okay are you doing these things are you reinforcing are you giving people opportunities for dialogue not just discussion yeah. right and, and really it's giving like, them opportunities to truly learn it's like a it's sort of a it feels like back to basics sometimes when i'm putting stuff out there like I'm, I'm saying stuff that's so obvious for people here but it does seem to resonate in that it's a reminder that you know sometimes the, the basic approach of bringing people together to learn from each other is the most powerful approach and that all the sort of we i think we've gotten all that learning tech and all that stuff that's out there is incredibly important but we've gotten too blindsided by it distracted by it to to, to sort of, and it's sort of taken us away from what how we actually learn yeah Absolutely. Well, we've got to wrap this up, Andrew, but I want to find out what are you working on now? I know you have your own cohort-based learning program, cohort starting soon for L&D professionals that could be really beneficial to helping them do the things that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. So we're launching uh, the first one in June, plans to run two a year. And the goal with that is to bring learning professionals together to help them build systems for learning. And so the whole thing is going to be a five-week cohort-based learning experience where you will build a cohort learning experience. So it's going to be very meta. I want to give people that experience so that they know what good looks like, and then they will leave the program with a cohort learning experience they can roll out at their companies. And so that sort of, to me, is like, that's where I'd, I'd love people to end up. For folks who are interested in, in this idea, want to kind of see it being built. And, and as I learn in public, which I know is something you enjoy doing as well, I've got two other things that, that folks should definitely check out. And it's a podcast and, and, and a newsletter that I write. And so you can get all of these things if you go to curiouslion.cloud and you go forward slash letter, take you to the newsletter, forward slash podcast or forward slash experience. It'll take you to those uh, three things. Yeah, and and I really encourage folks to join the newsletter and, and the podcast and kind of follow this journey because I know that I don't know everything about this topic and it's going to be, we've got this amazing founding council, you know, Kristen Hartley, who who is uh, the person who introduced us, um, is part of it. it there's it's it's the community that's going to form around this that's going to help shape what this is you know that this specific idea around cohort learning learning culture learning systems so if anybody's interested in that definitely let me know yeah curiousline.cloud and then just go to forward slash letter or forward slash podcast or forward slash experience yeah and i, I remember we talked about this before so i want to make sure people know about the the discount that you offered for my audience as well you go to curiouslion.cloud slash experience. And uh, if you do decide to sign up for this experience, I think we have a discount in there, right? For, if you put in Think Tank, T-H-I-N-K-T-A-N-K for, for 10% off. Yeah. Yeah. That's And that's I think of that as a scholarship for people that are in your network and in your communities who, you know, to me, those are the people out there that are driving this whole thing forward. And so I want people like that in the community. I, I'll, I'll share one last story with you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Why that's so important? Because I ran a cohort-based course for 150 people 
in a, this time last year, actually. And it was, first of all, it was the most stressful thing I've ever done. It was eight weeks, nearly killed me because it's, yeah. it is so crazy. And 150 people I wouldn't recommend starting with. But what I realized from that is the community makes it. It makes or breaks the whole experience. And we spent, I spent the whole of the beginning of that year interviewing every single person that applied and and handpicking those 150 people. And I'm so glad I did because that's, that's ultimately what it is. And it became way bigger than me. And it's sort of, it is that meta thing. It's like the content and the stuff that I was sharing in the live sessions is a small part of it, but all the conversations and, and, and interactions outside of it is where all the learning happens right uh, or 80% of it like Pareto principle so so that's really what, why you know I'm, I'm looking to partner with people like you who have that community and, and those people following them yeah it makes sense well we'll put it out there it sounds it sounds like a cool opportunity so curiouslion.cloud slash experience and uh, use the code think tank for 10% off and Andrew I appreciate all the, the education you provided and the work that you've been putting in to learn all these things and, and educate others. So thank you again for coming on. Hang in there because we're going to do a little bonus round for our next episode. But thanks so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. It's been a real pleasure. All right, that will do it for my interview with Andrew Barry, all about reimagining learning in the virtual world and learning cultures as well. I hope you found that interesting and beneficial. I feel like a lot of things he talked about were not terribly groundbreaking. And at the same time, there are a lot of things that we tend to drift away from and forget about in the world of learning. And it's good to be reminded that it's important to give people the right prompts, to give them a little bit of work ahead of time, to have those live cohort-based programs and let people interact with each other and let that magic happen, and really to give people time for reflection and to find ways to reinforce learning so that you're not just putting them through training programs that they'll forget about, but using things that people will actually put into action. And I'm trying to do that with my own training programs. I have one that I created from my book called Own Your Career. Well, the book is Own Your Career, Own Your Life, and the program is the Own Your Career training program. We've run that in a few companies now with some really great feedback and results, and we're looking for more opportunities. And of course, it all aligns with my vision of impacting more people and, and helping more people own their careers. But I need to make sure that the program is impactful. I need to make sure that it's interesting and engaging and interactive. And so I'm always looking for ways to get better and learn from people like Andrew, who is an expert in this space. So I'm going to be going back and looking at that program and making sure that it's dialed in and, and doing things the right way. And of course, continuing to collect feedback from our users who go through things. I'm speaking in a lot of companies now about owning your career, and I want to find ways to reinforce that learning, to give people an opportunity to pause and reflect on their own journey and make those changes and set a vision and a goal and start taking action towards that. So first of all, if you are hosting a career month anytime soon, or you're looking for ways to inspire people in your organization to take ownership of their careers, feel free to reach out to me. My email is andy at andystorch.com. This podcast is also sponsored by the Talent Development Think Tank community, which is the number one community in the talent development ecosystem and world for people to learn, share, and grow together. We have so many great members in there from all different parts of talent development, from different industries who are connecting with each other and supporting each other on a regular basis. Everybody trying to get better and create better programs and do their jobs better in talent development, learning and development, leadership development, organizational development. We have two different levels now, our main level for more senior L&D professionals and our foundation level for junior or early career L&D professionals. And no matter which box you think you fit in, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find all the information on our website, which is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. 
Now, if you are you listen to my conversation with Andrew and you're interested in going and learning how to create better programs yourself, then go check out his program, which is at curiouslion.cloud slash experience and make sure you use the code thinktank for 10% off. But if you are like, okay, I need to find an experience that we can bring in, an outsourced experience from an expert, from another learning designer, then you want to go check out our sponsor, Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to do the best at what they do. I spent a couple of years as a partner at Advantage Performance Group representing all the great learning solutions they have there, including Multipliers by Liz Weissman and Influence Inside from Kelly Dujois, who's been on this podcast recently, and Decision Mojo from Brent Snow, who's been on this podcast recently, and many more great solutions in the sales space, leadership space, business acumen, you name it. You can find all the information there by going to advantageperformance.com. And in fact, you can find our podcast hosted by Advantage as well. If you go to talentdevelopmenthotseat.com, you'll see everything about our podcast there, as well as plenty of free resources from Advantage as well. Thank you again for listening. Tune in next time. Our next episode will be my bonus Q&A session with Andrew Berry. Talk to you then. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again. Take care.